0: You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter.
1: And let's hear the word of the Lord this morning. I'm excited. I'm going to read from Scripture and I'm going to share a few thoughts with you, and then I'm going to move out of the way and I'm going to let three. Uh, covenant members in Life Church share their heart with you today. Uh, and I think that God has some wonderful things to say to us uh, through some of our members this morning. All right? I'd like to take you into Joshua chapter 4. And um, let's look here at what God would speak to us from this. I want to talk this morning for just a few minutes about remembering. Joshua chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight." Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone from his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua." And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. For the priest bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua." The people passed over in haste. This is an amazing passage of scripture, and the backdrop to this is that this is a time in the history of Israel like no other. They are about to pass over the River Jordan. They have come out of forty years in Egypt uh, in slavery, and they are being freed, if you will, uh, into the land of promise. And so, this is absolutely totally new territory for the Israelites they have never been this way before Uh, and this is a time when God is asking them to step out in faith and to move forward Um, But there's a unique thing that happens in the midst of this process of leading Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land. And of them being camped here at the riverbed uh, and waiting for God's direction to go over. And as God is moving them across the river, uh, he speaks to Joshua here, all right, as soon as everybody has passed over. Now keep in mind that this is a miraculous moment in the history of Israel because God is holding the waters back. Uh, several miles above them and they are walking over this riverbed literally on dry ground here. So this is an amazing and intense moment in time uh, for all of Israel and they are looking because they've been in slavery all these years. They are looking forward and they are seeing this amazing opportunity out there in front of them uh, that they are focusing on and God speaks to Joshua and says here's what I want you to do. I want you to take 12 men and go get stones and I want you to, to to, to stack those stones up on, on the other side of the river. And then Joshua actually does this himself uh, in the river, right? Literally in the riverbed where the priest had stood holding the Ark of the Covenant. So, what would I say to you this morning? I would say this God realizes that we often forget. God understands our humanity. Uh, and He realizes that there are times when we, as God's people, we actually forget. The amazing things that God has done for us. And here in Deuteronomy, um, and and in other parts of of, of, of Joshua, uh, but in particular Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses issues a very final warning to Israel just before uh, they start to enter this this process of of going into the promised land. And this is what he says in verse 12 of Deuteronomy chapter 6. He says, beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. There's a huge intent on the the part of God here to make sure that Israel doesn't forget. That they don't miss opportunities of remembering the really great things that God has done. Now, given man's propensity to forget um, we, we, we need to understand that God's intent to remind us <laughs> is very obvious. And God, God knows us. So this isn't, this isn't sort of an a, a, a indictment against man. It's just saying God is making sure here that Israel doesn't forget Him. Not only that they don't forget Him in their own going forward, but that they remember God in the generations to come so this is a, a very, very special time here. So, so we want to today sort of remember some of the things that God has done and some of the things that God has spoken to us over this year. And here's one of the reasons I would like for you to do that is because, and, I, and to keep doing that is because... We're going forward, and we, we may purchase a building, and we may move from this location to actually do worship. Uh, we're not crossing a river. We're crossing a couple of roads, if you will, all right? Um, and we may be reestablishing our ministry, and it may take on some new dimensions and some new identity, but the reality is it is the same God. And we don't want when we move over or we cross over into something new that God has for us, whether that's a building or a new type of outreach or some other aspect of His blessing to us, we do not want to forget the blessing that God has already given. We never want to lose the value and the intensity of the sovereign blessings of God in our lives. And we want them to speak to us of His faithfulness and of His goodness. So why would Joshua have them build or erect this memorial of stones? He says in verse 7, These stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. In other words, there's always a place to go back to. There's always a marker, if you will, that says, Look what God did. And we need to have those kinds of markers in our lives. And life church needs to have those kinds of markers in the context of what God does for us. That we can always look back and say, remember, remember what God did. Because those places will continually feed our faith and give us the level of faith we need to continue to go forward and to do all of those things that God yet has for us to do. So, no place where God does amazing things is a place to quit. No place where God does awesome things is that a place to really rest for very long. All right? But we need to be continually going. All right? And those memorial stones in Life Church and in your life personally, those also should serve as a basis for you to share your faith with your children. In two places in this chapter, one is is verses 6 and 7, parents are reminded of of the responsibility here to communicate God's Word and God's acts uh, with their children from generation to generation. He says, let this be a sign among you when your children ask in times or in days to come, saying, what do these stones mean? It's an opportunity for you to say, this is the faithfulness of God. This is what God did in that day. When there didn't seem to be a way, God made a way. When we were in bondage, God delivered us. When we were thinking and and reflecting on the promises of God, God came through and showed His faithfulness to those promises. And so we share that with each generation after the generation that we are a part of and i think it's important for us that that we understand that this is god's intent we have a lot of children in life church and those children are very special and they're they're very wonderful and we can we can laud them and praise them and tell them how wonderful they are but if we miss telling them how wonderful god is we've shortchanged them and cheated them and robbed them of the greatest blessing possible and i want our children to rise up in life church in great faith to believe for the promises that God has over their lives. And that as they grow up, they are filled with the Spirit of the Lord. And with a real desire to share the gospel. And to, to disciple others around the world. And so we build the memorial. We think back. We reflect. And we're not asking you to bring specific stones But we're asking you to remember, if you will, those situations and those times where God moved in a special way. God brought you a special prophetic type of word. God spoke to you through another person. God did a miraculous thing in your life. God delivered you out of a particular bondage. God moved on you to to go forward with great faith and with great confidence. All of these things are meaningful things that we do not want to forget. The interesting thing is that what Joshua asked the people to do corporately, Joshua did personally himself. He went into the river and pulled up the 12 stones from the river and set them up right where the feet were of the priest when they were holding the Ark of the Covenant. And I believe that it's important for you and I not just to see what God is doing for us, but for you to personally find those stones in your life And you set them up as an act of worship through your memories. That you build these memories and you hold them. And and they become those places of reference for you of the goodness and the greatness of God. And here's the amazing thing. As soon as they crossed over, it says, All that was holding the waters back, the hand of God in such a way, moved. And the waters came rushing through. And the river returned as it was, brimming over. uh, Because it was in the season of flooding. Um, And so the river moved, and it covered those stones, if you will, uh, that Joshua had made. This isn't about boasting. This isn't about tooting your own horn. This isn't about going public. It's an act of worship. It's an act for you before God to say, God, I remember you. I will not forget you. I will always establish these places in you where I can come back and see your handprint and see what you have done. The amazing thing is that water washed everything away between them and Egypt. Something else about building those memorials is that they are a confidence builder to you that all that God has moved you from and delivered you off is washed away and you always have the opportunity to fix your eyes on Jesus. Let me tell you something about a church building. That's all it is that it's not about the building. And honestly, let's not fix our eyes on a building if we, if we get this building. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus because a building is just a way to bring the gospel. Bringing the gospel is God's mandate for us. And so let's fix our eyes on Jesus today. And as we enter into 2016, let's have our eyes on him. And whatever strategy he wants to use for us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, we will use that. And we will build those memorials as we go forward. And we will look to the faithfulness of God and give Him glory and honor and praise in all that He does. So this morning I invite you, as you sit in your chair, that you will think of these good things. And that you will begin to build that memorial today to what God has done. And I've invited some of our members to come and help us to do that just a little bit this morning. And so uh, I hope that you will be blessed. I'm confident you will be if you Will allow God to speak to your heart. So listen as God speaks through members of Life Church this morning. Do you want to come and speak to us this morning? Luke seven, eighteen
0: through twenty-three. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. So John summoned two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord to ask. Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus had just then cured many people of diseases, plagues, and evil spirits, and had given sight to many who were blind. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, The dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them, and blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. In Advent, we intentionally position ourselves in waiting for the coming of Jesus. In Christmas, we rejoice in wonder that God has come to us, God's Son taking up oneness with the state of humanity. Through these seasons, we tell the story of God's plan of redemption as we work and wait and hope for God's kingdom to come in fullness. In Luke 7, Jesus himself tells us what it means for the kingdom to come. It is interesting that Jesus does not answer John's disciples directly, nor does he ask if John had failed to pay attention to the family stories about Mary's miraculous conception and the following events. Instead, Jesus seems to say, Listen to the good news I bring. Look at the things I am doing. Don't you think this is the work of the kingdom of God? Everything listed—disease, plague, evil spirits— physical handicaps, oppression, and death itself. These are all ways in which humanity has been marred by sin and the enemy's work against God's good creation. As Jesus declares the kingdom of God, he defeats the physical results of the enemy's work, bringing hope, healing, and deliverance. The declaration of the kingdom and the healings go hand in hand. In Jesus, we know God fully and see what God is up to in this world. God's desire to heal humanity holistically is demonstrated in this passage, and Jesus shows himself to be about his Father's work. Furthermore, it is worth noting that the work of the kingdom as described in Luke 7 is characterized by care for the outcast and the oppressed. Physical infirmities, diseases, evil spirits, and ultimately death are afflictions which kept people out of the fullness of community. We see this clearly in the next chapter of Luke. The demon-possessed man in Luke 8.27 was living among tombs, not among people. The woman with the bleeding disorder in Luke 8.43 would have been considered unclean and untouchable by Levitical law. The little girl in Luke 8.49 was torn from her family by death. Jesus steps into these circumstances and turns them around. These accounts show us that when Jesus heals and delivers, he is also reaching out and returning people to community. Jesus brings the kingdom by pushing out death and oppression and by bringing wholeness and restored relationship. As shown in Luke 7, the coming of the kingdom of God is marked by healing, deliverance, good news to the poor, and the restoration of community. We live in the sure promise that much, much more of this goodness awaits us in the return of Jesus, in the renewal of the heavens and earth. We also know this is the work we have been called to partner in by the power of the Holy Spirit. As we continue into this new year, working, hoping, waiting, and marking the time, we also continue in the work of the kingdom. As those who have heard the good news, who are being made new and whole, and who are being restored to community with God and one another, we also must reach into the situations of those around us with this good news of Jesus, proclaiming that God has stepped in to the human situation and is about the work of making the world right. We move forward with our hearts and minds centered fully on Jesus and on his coming kingdom.
2: reading out of 1 Corinthians 2, beginning at 1. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and a hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for, they, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory." In this past year, I've um, devoted more time to seeking God and seeking his intent for my life. Um, And we are in a time of great turmoil, and all around us, the world would want us to believe that God is not in control. But regardless of what is going on around us, we as believers carry a great gift a gift that lets us know that God is sovereign, and the gift is the Holy Spirit. This amazing gift was not just for the church of the New Testament, but it is for the church today, for you and for me. So often we rely on self or others to help us through difficult times, or we shy away from situations that are uncomfortable. But it is in these times when we call upon the Holy Spirit He will give us exactly what we need to overcome. Overcome fear, overcome heartache and troubles, overcome self. Living out God's desire for us to speak love and life to those around us. And I've been through some tough times this year. But in putting my faith completely in God, I have seen him move mightily in the in the troubles that I've seen in my life. He hasn't answered all of my prayers, but he has answered many of my prayers. And I know that those that he hasn't answered, soon he will. Many times I've found myself in situations where I don't know what to say or do. And in these times, I call upon the Holy Spirit. And suddenly I know exactly what needs to be done. I have the words to say, the action to take, the direction to go, the perfect scripture. I'm not well-versed in Scripture, but in being in the Word, there are passages that I've read that suddenly come to mind at just the right time. I can't tell you exactly where they are, but the Spirit in me knows just what I need when I need it. And God isn't looking for perfectionism, just vessels willing to step out when he asks. We, as children of God, must exercise the gifts of the Spirit, stepping into the fullness of who God created us to be, we all carry gifts, gifts of healing, prophecy, miracles, and so much more. And when we reveal the power of God in us as we minister to the people in this neighborhood or our families or in workplaces, the Holy Spirit will give us whatever we need to share the goodness and the love of our Heavenly Father. Do not fear the power of the Holy Spirit, but earnestly seek to understand how God desires to work in and through us. There is nothing more exhilarating than feeling the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit when I pray with someone, particularly when that person I am praying with also feels His presence. And this doesn't mean that every time I pray with someone I feel it or that that you know it's I feel His presence. But I have confidence in Christ that no matter what, he is working. And when we operate with the knowledge of Christ in us, the hope of glory, we have nothing to fear or lose. We can pray confidently knowing that the Holy Spirit is in us and will use us for his glory. Many of you have seen me dance during worship. And when I dance, it is because I feel the pull of the Holy Spirit. And in these times of worship, I know that God is desiring to release something into the atmosphere, whether it be healing or change, or perhaps it's just to minister to one person. Whatever God desires, we must all be willing to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit when he calls. It is not just a now and then walk. We must live a constant lifestyle filled with his presence and listening for his voice and then do doing whatever God is asking of us. These gifts are portions of God's grace, freely given, not earned. We as believers should expect manifestations of the Holy Spirit, just as the disciples did, as we witness to the lost, the hurting, for the validation of the glory of the gospel. These gifts are given for the good of the church, Therefore, we should be willing and available to share the gifts we have been so freely given. Not shying away out of fear or lack of maturity in faith, but boldly living a life filled with the confidence of the Holy Spirit in us. And during the time of fasting that we did right before Thanksgiving, Um, I had an opportunity, some friends of mine had some property west of town, and I took two days, and I just went out there just to be with the Lord. And it was a very powerful time. And actually, God called me to a fast within a fast, because at that time I was doing a Daniel fast, which was vegetables, fruits, that kind of thing. But in those two days, he called me to fast completely. And while I was there in prayer and that, um, the Lord gave me a message for the church, for this church: The Great Awakening. And the spirit and the bride say, "Come, come into agreement with the spirit. Step onto the launch pad of a new beginning. When you open your eyes to the things unseen, then will you see a great move an upward thrust of power lifting you from the here and now and propelling you into a vast wilderness of the hungry and the thirsty. It is right outside your doors, this threshold, this launch pad. As you step into the greater things of the Spirit, then then will I move greatly among your body of believers, giving you a greater anointing, greater power to move among the place I have put you in. Doors will begin to open in places that have been shut to you. Step out in faith, believing that every place you set your foot will truly be taken for my kingdom. Even now, I am softening hearts and changing mindsets. Even now, hard areas are being broken and tilled, being prepared for a great move of the Spirit, a move of my hand, my mighty right arm that is not too short. Sweeping across the neighborhood and pushing back the darkness. These people have been living in the shadow of fear and darkness long enough. For I will establish you as a house of refuge, a house of safety. And all who gather in will be saved. And I will make disciples of this people. And their works and their deeds will be far-reaching, even to the ends of the earth. And I will build you a house, a true house of life and out of you will flow rivers of living water, baptizing with new life and the Holy Spirit. There will be healing and freedom in the house I am building through you, and all will be satisfied by the blood of the Lamb. 1 Corinthians 12.31 But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way.
3: All right, so uh, my passage is uh, from Proverbs chapter 16, uh, verses 2 and 3. So all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. So this year for myself has been one of... uh, one of transition, one of really this idea of like plans and expectations um, and, and, and my plans and my expectations um, really coming up against what God's are, um, or maybe not coming up against, but, but God, instead of, of saying, all right, cool, those are your plans, saying, all right, those are your plans, but, but here are my plans. Yeah, those, those plans, those expectations, those are good. But, but I have something more for you. I have something better for you. Um, and, and let's face it, right? Like, no one likes to be told, like, hey, your plans aren't going to be the ones that you're going to follow. <laughs> like, what? Come on. I, I thought those were good plans. Um, but, but God's got better plans. So, right, like, this year for myself, this is, this is like, taking the form um, and, like, been seen just across the board uh, from, from work to uh, relationships to family to going to school. Like, it's just changed. Uh, started off uh, almost this exact time last year, um, so... Yeah, that's a year ago. That falls in um, <laughs> just receiving from God, saying, "Hey, I want you to go back. I want you to go back to school. I want you to go to seminary." I'm like, "Okay, go to seminary." At this time, I'm working at at Roosevelt uh, full time, and, and I'm like, "Okay, cool." But I just looking at how faithful you've been, God. You have put me here, uh, and it is it has been good. You have got me here. And so, trying to figure out, like, okay, can I can I work like part time at Roosevelt and go to school part time, um, and really, just it being revealed, like, I couldn't like I was I was done working at Roosevelt, but seminary, this was still going to happen, and so really having to deal with, like, learning what it what it looks like to grieve. Um, and what it, what it looks like to, to be able to step away and give up and trust that, that like God is going to put someone in my position who is going to love those students and who is going to support uh, Susan, who I worked with, well. So giving up trust in that, that wasn't the, my plan, but that was, that was God God coming in. So, so then I go into the summer, and, and all right, I'm... I'm I've got seminary coming up. I, I don't really know what I'm going to do for work, but there will be something. I know I'm supposed to go to seminary. Cool. I've got some trips and stuff to do in the summer. Uh, and I'm going on a backpacking trip with some high school guys. And, and we're going, and we're like, man, this is going to be a dude trip. We're just going gonna to just have guy time. I'm um, going to be awesome. I'm going to do what guys do in the wilderness. And as we're driving out to Colorado, whatever that means, <laughs> right? As we're driving out to Colorado, get a call from the outfitters, and they're like, "Hey, uh, change of plans. Just some stuff with our, uh, with our 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 leaders, our guide teams. Um, we're gonna have to combine you with another group uh, from from Indianapolis." Um, and I don't know if they told us then, but ended up being all right. Now you have two female guides, and being like, "Okay, so." Dude, trip, not happening. Cool, but but God, this is this is what you've got for us. This is what you've got for us, and and it's going to be good. And and really, all right, we're we're reshaping our expectations just as as our group, and then we're combining up. Um, But but then during the trip, this trip where we're like in my mind, I'm like, all right, I'm I'm here for these two guys, and and it is just going to be a great week, and it was a great week, but. End up uh, throughout like the entire week just had a connection with one of the guides after like totally being in the spot of saying, I'm really, really okay being single. I really, maybe selfishly or otherwise, but like I enjoy being single. And then we get this week and it's like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Like, okay, so maybe I'm not okay being single. Uh, what? Oh, she lives in Colorado. I live in South Dakota. This isn't going to work. Is it going to work? God, what are you doing? Um, and like coming away from it, like what? I just mind can't even like understand what's going on. Um, and we, uh, the gal and I, we we just talked back and forth and, and, and prayed a ton and, and sought just what God's will was and 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 there again, um, as much as as I wanted to pursue her and pursue a relationship with her, it was very clear to both of us that God was saying no. Which 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 was hard. Which is still hard because it's like, man, God, that that is that is good. I trust it to be good. I I see just your hand upon it, but obviously you're saying no, and we want to be obedient to you. So stepping out of that. But what came from from that experience came from those changing of expectations was was then even this realization and and redemption of of my thoughts towards relationships, um, my my, my heart towards relationships, um, but also just communication and, uh, just redeeming communication, uh, and in relationships with my family, of, of being able to, to talk about what, like, what I'm hoping for, um, but also what's, what's breaking my heart, um, stuff that I know that we, we could talk about before, but, but we didn't. That's, it just wasn't, wasn't what we did. But over the course of this, and God dang, it's still, it's still early in, but, but just see it more and more as, as God is just continuing to prove faithful and redeem just my own family and what it looks like to love one another and, and to talk to one another and to listen to one another. But now so we we jump into the into the the fall and I'm um, starting seminary and hey cool deal uh this this ministry that I've been working with that I've been volunteering for uh for like 4 years they said hey come on part time and over the course of this semester God truly like revealing to me that okay it wasn't you being done at Roosevelt wasn't so much about you going to seminary. Yeah, seminary's good, but seminary really ended up being the avenue to say, all right, hey, I'm going to get you into this ministry in which I've just put a passion and a desire in you. In which, in which I, I come alive in. In which I, I truly, I, whether I realize it in the midst of it, like there is just great joy in, in knowing that in that, that God is taking great joy in that as well. But this whole year has been been one of my expectations of how things are going to go, my planning, um, and God saying, "All right, that's good, that's cool, but I've got something more." I've got something more. And you know, that's that's what's going on with Life Church too. Um, really I think that's probably going on in a lot of our lives, but like as as we're, we're we're growing. As we're growing by 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 nothing that we're doing on our own, but but by simply being who God has called us to be and and God just blessing us immensely with more and more people. More and more of his children, who he loves, and making us really consider, okay, what does that look like for us as a church, this building, another building, this neighborhood what what are our, our dreams and visions as a church and seeing very much and really being encouraged by this but but again want to continue to encourage us in it that, that as a church we've been able to to kind of stop and say alright God what would you have us do? What is your will for us? Because this work that we have these plans that we have We want them to be yours. We want them to be for you, right? It says, verse 3, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Commit your work to the Lord and then your plans will be established. Get our hearts, our motivations set on Jesus and what he would have for us. And then that path, those plans, those next steps, Those are established for us. That God is faithful in that. And like Pastor Bill said just at the beginning, that that we can look in our own lives, just seeing over and over and over again how God has proven Himself faithful and good, time and time again. And we can do that as as a church family as well. Um, And that we can we can go forward now in confidence. That, that God will establish just our plans and our, our steps before us. But he does ask that we we commit ourselves to him.
4: Amen. Thank you to the three of you for sharing. Uh, the cool thing is these three that have just shared, uh, that's just a small sampling of what God has done in the last year. And hopefully this is a good exercise for you as they were speaking to just sort of mentally start this process at the end of the year to just go through what has the Lord done in my life and really acknowledging those things and thanking the Lord for those things can be a wonderful spiritual process. And of course, here at Life Church, we hope that as you're sort of piling up your stones of the big things that the Lord has done in your life and sort of making that memorial and saying these these are really God things. these are things that 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 um, I need to. To, to be mindful of, that I need to keep in my brain uh, so that during the tough times, I have something to go back to. Uh, we hope that th- there's a big stone that sort of all these other stones are piled on top of. And that big stone is what God has done in giving his own son for you. That 2,000 years ago, God sent his own son into the world that we've just celebrated his birth and, and his son lived, died, and rose again from the dead so that we could come home to God. So we could be with him forevermore, where we've always belonged. And he did that for you. And sometimes I think as Christians, the longer that we've walked with the Lord, we tend to get over that. We tend to just sort of shovel it aside like, well, that's not a big deal. Or, that, that really wasn't for me. Or, or, or we, we make some sort of excuse in our mind that this was not a big thing. But the incarnation that God would give his own son to become a man for you that he would take your place, that he would rise again from the dead, is an incredible thing that you build all the other things that God has done for you on top of. And so if you're here today and you have not received that good news, that Jesus has been given for you, that he's come for you, that he's died, that he's risen again so that you can have new life in him, we want to offer that to you today. And at Life Church, we never want to miss an opportunity to do that. So come and pray with us. There will be people up here that will be ready to pray uh, as usual. And we'll stay after with you to talk more with you about that. But well, we would love to give you that invitation. If you're here today and you're just struggling to see God's work in your life, and you're just struggling with, I, I just can't really track many good things. Maybe you've just, the glass is half empty, if not almost all the way empty for you. Um, we want to invite you to come for prayer that, that the Holy Spirit would give you that um, vision to see what the Lord has done in your life and start filling you with hope for what he will do in the coming year. All right, so let me pray for you. And then you'll be dismissed. And for those of you who want to stay for prayer, you can stay as well. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great day. And we thank you not only for this great day, but this great year that you have given us. That you've done so much good work in our hearts. Lord, you've drawn us closer to Jesus Christ, and we thank you for that. You've drawn us closer and closer into the truth, and we thank you for that. You have freed some of us in miraculous ways. You have Um, spoken unique and and wonderful things to some of us. You have uh, helped us to be a blessing to so many people uh, in this community and around the world. And we just thank you for all those wonderful things that you've done, Lord. And now I pray that you would help us as we seek to sort of mentally build this memorial to you, to not forget those good things, to not sort of brush over them and sort of treat them with uh, triteness, but to take them seriously. That God, you've worked in our lives. You've been present to us, Lord. And so help us to, to remember those things. And most of all, Lord, may we not forget what you've done in sending Jesus for us and giving him for us. May that truth... Uh, be gripping to us every day of our lives. I just pray that we would not get over our own salvation, the great work that you have done to bring us back to yourself and to save us, Lord. We love you for it. We thank you for it. And we ask your blessing upon each one of these people here today. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen.